Merry Christmas, Crosspoint. We're the Meidinger family. Merry Christmas, Crosspoint. We're the Tattersalls. Advent is a season of joyful anticipation. From the first Sunday of Advent until Christmas Eve, we await the celebration of Jesus' birth. Week three of Advent is a thrill of joy. Luke 2, 8, 8 to 12 says that night there were shepherds sang in the field nearby guarding their flocks of sheep. Suddenly, an angel of the Lord appeared among them, and the radius of the Lord's glory surrounded them. They were terrified, but the angel reassured them. Don't be afraid, he said. I bring you good news that will bring you great joy to all people. The Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David. And you will recognize him by this sign. You will find a baby wrapped snugly in strips of cloth lying in a manger. Jesus brings us a thrill of joy. Jesus brings a thrill of joy. The weary world rejoices. Great job, I'm enjoying those videos, are you? Yeah, that's good, They're really cute, good stuff. And uh, good morning again, welcome, great to see you, and welcome to those of you online. If you're, did you notice it smells good in here this morning? It smells like they're cooking something. If you're online, you just have to take our word for it, uh, the church smells delicious. It's the church board doing a special Christmas dinner for the church staff, they're gonna serve us after church. So. You've got about 30 minutes to find out how to get hired at Crosspoint. Uh, we can't pay you, but, but, but if you get hired in the next 30 minutes, then I, I guess technically you're allowed to come to lunch. Um, have you ever been lost? Anybody ever been like really good and lost? The men don't want to raise their hands. They don't want to admit it. The, you know, the wife is saying, you were lost. And he's saying, I was turned around, but I knew where I was going. I wasn't really lost. Um, reminds me of my first time... Uh, flying into California, and I needed to be in Los Angeles, but I intentionally flew into San Diego so that I could uh, drive up the coast and see the coast of California without a map. And I was determined I was going to drive from San Diego and find my hotel in Los Angeles without a map. This is years ago. And uh, I'm from Grand Manan. I mean, Two. Um, all right, we'll see if the batteries, if this holds up. Okay, so I'm from Graham and Ann, right? How big can Los Angeles be? And uh, I don't know. And the guy at the car rental place was like, here, take a map. And I'm like, I don't want, I'm not a map. He's like, take a map. I'm like, no. And so he said, okay, whatever you do, don't stop at a 7-Eleven and ask for directions because you look like fresh meat. 
And uh, so anyhow, I had a great day driving up the coast, and I did get to L.A. that evening, and I did stop at a 7-Eleven. There was a large group of very strong-looking men uh, out in front of the 7-Eleven, and I get out of the car like a Canadian, like, hi, guys, you know? You know, you know, and probably I left the car running. I do remember leaving the car running. Um, and I probably left my wallet in the car because, you know, that's, we're Canadians. And, and uh, anyhow, the, they were very helpful. And then I was missed it by a couple of, what do you want to do here? Do you want to change batteries? Do you want to change mics? Do you want to, what do you want to do? Microphone, we're going to the handheld. Check one, two, and I will turn this off. Check one, two, there we go. Okay. Um, where was I? 7-Eleven, got directions, and I had only missed my hotel by a few blocks. I was actually not that far off. So Matthew tells us a story of a group of astrologers in the book of Matthew who have traveled, we think, around 3,000 kilometers to find Jesus. And when they get to Jerusalem, they, they think they're close. And so they go in and they ask around Jerusalem, and they find out they're only off by eight kilometers. The distance between Jerusalem and Bethlehem is eight clicks. So if you're traveling 3,000 kilometers without a GPS uh, and a Starbucks, being off by eight kilometers is not that bad. And uh, no 7-Eleven or anything like that. And uh, Matthew calls them strange visitors from the east. That's probably what Gala's parents call us when, call, when we show up in Ottawa for Christmas. Strangers from the east <laughs> have arrived. Okay, so it's Matthew chapter 2. And we're going to begin reading in verse 1. Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea during the reign of King Herod. About that time, some wise men from eastern lands arrived in Jerusalem asking... Where is the newborn king of the Jews? We saw his star as it rose, and we have come to worship him. King Herod was deeply disturbed when he heard this, as was everyone in Jerusalem. He called a meeting of the leading priests and teachers of religious law and asked, Where is the Messiah supposed to be born? In Bethlehem, in Judea, they said, for this is what the prophet wrote. And then they quote Micah chapter 5, verse 2, which was written 700 years before the birth of Christ, which is astounding. And you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are not least among the ruling cities of Judah. For a ruler will come from you who will be the shepherd for my people, Israel. Then Herod called for a private meeting with the wise men, and he learned from them the time when the star first appeared. Then he told them, go to Bethlehem and search carefully for the child. And when you find him, come back and tell me so that I can go and worship him too. That was a lie. After this interview, the wise men went their way. And the star they had seen in the east guided them to Bethlehem. It went ahead of them and stopped over the place where the child was. And when they saw the star, they were filled with joy. They entered the house and saw the child with his mother Mary. And they bowed down and worshipped him. And then they opened their treasure chest and gave him gifts of gold, frankincense, and Toblerone. When it was time to leave, they returned to their own country by another route, for God had warned them in a dream not to return to Herod. Verse 10 again. 
When they saw the star, they were filled with joy. This is our third week of Advent. Our theme is a thrill of joy. There was joy in the house of God when these guys showed up. There was joy because they found Jesus. There was joy in knowing you are where God wants you to be. There was joy in the journey. There was joy in the destination. There was joy in their worship. There was joy in their giving. And when Matthew says that they were filled with joy, it's, it's like an overfilled with joy. It's like, it's like delirious joy. It's, it's, it's uncontainable kind of joy. Like if you have wise men in your nativity, go home today and make sure that they are smiling. And if they aren't, get out your Sharpie and put some big happy faces on those dudes. Because it's not, it's, you know, it's not like this kind of joy, you know? It's, it's, it's a real, you know, celebration of joy because they had found Jesus. They had found the king. They were not overjoyed to meet Herod. There was no joy in meeting Herod. Herod Schmerid. He Herod is, a, is just a small king. He's just a little king, right? King over Judea. Jesus is king of creation. Jesus is king of eternity. He is the king of heaven, the king of our hearts. He's the king of kings. Now, the Herod that Matthew mentions is Herod the Great, a very real person in history. He's not, you know, this isn't once upon a time in a far, far away land. Like, we know who Herod the Great was. Rome sent him to be king over Judea in 40 BC. Herod, this Herod, Herod the Great, is a brutal and jealous tyrant of a leader. Um, the very next part of Matthew that, like if you pick it up again in verse 13 and keep going, uh, tells us of Mary and Joseph packing up Jesus in the night and fleeing to Egypt to escape Herod's madness. So early in Jesus' life, Jesus is a refugee on the run from someone who would rather kill him than worship him. And that's a foreshadow to the cross. Now, one of the great miracles in Scripture is that there were three wise men. They didn't get that in the first service either. I thought that was pretty, you know, kind of funny that there were three wise men together. Three wise men in the same place. And three wise men. There were, there were three men who stopped to ask for directions. That's another miracle in Scripture. Okay, I'm get slowly getting there. All right. Um, come early and drink coffee before you come to church. It's good. And three men who found the baby. And they were astrologers. They were definitely not kings. If you like the old uh, Christmas hymn, We Three Kings, it's not particularly accurate, but who cares? Um, they were most likely from Babylon, which is now modern-day Iraq. Isn't that interesting of where these guys have come from? And if you have them in your, nat your nativity set, that's not all that accurate either. By the time they find Jesus, he's probably two or three years old. Knowing that they are close to Jesus and knowing that Jerusalem has a king, they ask a question in Jerusalem that lights the fuse of the cross, to the cross. Or another way of saying it might be, they, they ask a question in Jerusalem that tips the dominoes. The dominoes towards the cross start to fall when they ask this question. And you've asked this question. And everyone uh, wrestles or struggles. But sometime in your life, you've got to come to grips with, who is Jesus? 
Where is Jesus? Is he the king? That, that kind of a question. And when they go into Jerusalem and say, you know, where is the king? And Herod thinks he's the king. Uh, that's, that lights the fuse to the cross. Jesus was not someone who might be a king someday or someone who, who uh, will eventually be a king. Jesus was born the king. We mentioned this last Sunday that, that we're all born broken. We're all born spiritually lost. But Jesus was born the king. He was the king in heaven. He was the king when, uh, when Mary carried him. And he was the king as soon as he was born. He always was the king. He always will be the king. And this greatly disturbed Herod. And this shook Herod. And it shook all of Jerusalem. And sometimes it, it shakes us because there is only room for one king in my life. See, the, that question, it, it just it causes tension because you have to ask, who is going to be king in my life? Is it going to be me? Am I going to do what I want to do? Am I going to live my way? Am I going to make my own decisions and all of that? Or am I going to surrender? Am I going to worship him? Am I going to invite him and allow him to be king of my life? And there's only room for one king, and that disturbed Herod, and it shook all of Jerusalem. So you either die to yourself or you crucify Jesus. Those are your options. I'm either going to die to myself and allow Jesus to be king in my life, or we've got to get rid of him. He's a menace. He's a nuisance. I don't have any room for him in my life. So those are your choices. And Herod makes his choice pretty quick. Herod is more interested in saving his throne than saving his soul. And like Herod... I have to decide who will be king of my life. Now, the wise men have already decided. They've decided long before they even see Jesus. They know that they're coming to see the king. They've made this journey because Jesus is the king, and they've come to worship him. So, sorry, Herod, but these gifts are not for you. They're for someone else. For reasons we don't know, God planted this mission in the heart's of a group of astrologers from 3,000 kilometers away. And we don't know, why did God do that? Maybe to show us that that Jesus is king over all of creation, that he's not just Israel's king, he's not just a local king, he's he's king for for everyone. Maybe God brought those people from a faraway land to, to prove that point. Maybe it's to foreshadow his coming as the Prince of Peace, pointing to a time when we would all love our brothers and our neighbors as, love our neighbors as brothers and sisters. The Middle East continues to fight. The Middle East is, it's always been a fight. They continue to fight. But Matthew has these guests from Babylon being welcomed into the house of God. And I think there's something there for us to see. One thing we do know about this group of travelers is that they were clear about the identity of Jesus. This is what fueled their journey. This is why they didn't turn around and go home or say, it's just, it's just too far, it's just too hard, it's too long, we're too hungry, whatever. You know, let's just turn this thing around and go back. No, they get all the way to Jerusalem and they are determined they are not leaving until they find Jesus because they were clear about who Jesus is. The clearer you are about who Jesus is, the more that you will risk 
to, to find him, to know him, to worship him, and to give him your best. The clearer you are about who he is. And these guys, they're going to make it. They're going to get to the house of God, and they are going to have church. They will not be denied or turned around or anything else. They're going to have church in the house of God with great joy no matter what. Jesus is enough reason to get yourself to the house of God. That's right there in Matthew chapter 2. Why are they determined to make it to the house where Jesus is? Because it's because of him. And Jesus is enough reason to get yourself to church. He's all the reason you need to wake up thankful on a Sunday morning and start your camel and come and worship the king. He's the king. He's worthy of our praise. He's worthy of us kneeling down, bowing down, worshiping him and giving him our gifts with great joy, I might add. You see, it's another one of those, you've got your mask on. I can't tell if you're smiling. I don't know if you brushed your teeth or not. I don't know. But we're, it's a thrill of joy. And there should be joy in the house of God. I've never understood churches that don't have joy. You ever been to a church with no joy? You know, everybody's just kind of got their arms full. They don't walk on an angle. And you ever, you know, um, it's an oxymoron, right? Like easy payments. Like it just, you know, there's, there's, nothing, what's, there's nothing easy about payments. A, a church without joy is like an oxymoron. I've been to Tension Church. You ever been to Tension Church? Not going back there again. You like you walk in, you can just feel the tension in the room. You're like these people don't like each other. Like they're they're about to you know have a brawl. Um, argue church where they just all they want to do is argue about everything. Um, been there. Don't want to do that again. Bossy church. You know, this is the way we do it here. You know, don't want to do that again. Fight church. Now, if you like those kinds of churches, if you like. You know, angry church, tension church, you know, if you like, the, we'll help you find one <laughs> with great joy. Like, we'll take you around and, and help you find one. Um, and they're not hard to find. They're, they're everywhere. Like, they're really easy to find. You, you know, no problem finding one. But Crosspoint will be a house of joy. Crosspoint will be a church of joy. And weary travelers who show up at cross point will see Jesus as the son of God. Just imagine someone who who's had the worst week or the worst month or years or whatever, and they're coming across the parking lot to cross point. Maybe it's their very first time. Like going to church for the first time is not easy. Going to a new church for the first time is not easy. And what do we want them to experience when they come through the doors of Crosspoint is joy, joy in the house of God. This is not tension church. This is not argue church. This is not fight church or whatever church. There's joy in the house of God because of Jesus. And we want people to, to, to know that right away. And so these, these travelers, these searchers, seekers, um, God put people in places and signs and miracles in their path that eventually led them to Jesus. If you think about your life before you met Jesus, maybe that was true, that God put people and places and signs and miracles and things in your path that just kind of added up, and eventually you met Jesus. 
Jesus is more than a destination. He's, he's a decision that you make, a decision that you make for the rest of your life. He's not the end of your journey. He's the beginning of your journey. Coming to church, you know, just getting to the house of God, that's not the end goal. Opening the door and seeing Jesus is the goal. Seeing Jesus as your king. Man, if we only had an opportunity this Christmas at Crosspoint, when everyone here could invite someone to come and see and experience Jesus for themselves. Oh, wait. Oh, wait. Christmas Eve Eve, Thursday the 23rd is our Christmas Eve Eve service. We started that uh, that along many, many years ago, doing it on Christmas Eve Eve, the 23rd. Two services, one at 6 and one at 7.30 is your opportunity to invite weary travelers to come to Crosspoint and see and hear and experience Jesus the King. You get them here, we'll help them see Jesus. All right, so let's pack this place out on the 23rd. You got it? One service at 6, one service at 7.30. Invite everyone that you know. Uh, friends who've been watching online, um, we're, we, I mean, we, we're glad that you're watching online, but if, if at all possible, we would be thrilled to see your mask on, on December the 23rd. Okay, I'd like to say see your face, but we only see you know, this much of it. But we would love for you to come and join us in person on December the 23rd. Okay, back to verse 11. They entered the house and saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him, and then they opened their treasure chest and gave him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. This was making me think we should get a, a massive drone and hang a bright light from it and fly that baby over cross points so everybody will know this is a place where you can find, where you can see Jesus, the, the, the Christ child. Um, their joy outside the house they were filled with joy before they went in. Why? Because their joy outside the house was because they knew who was in the house. They knew, hey, as soon as we go through that door, we're going to see Jesus. We're going to experience Jesus. And that filled those guys with, with delirious joy, with overfilled joy and expectation we're going to see Jesus. But I like going to church with an expectation I'm going to see Jesus. I'm driving over to Crosspoint, and I know when I go through the door, it's not that I'm going to see so-and-so or so-and-so or whatever. It's that most of all, I'm going to see Jesus. Um, if you study the first four books of the New Testament, you see all the times when people met Jesus, and they were filled with joy after meeting him. Joy because they were forgiven or joy because they were healed, or joy because they were set free, joy because he loved them and didn't, didn't judge them, joy because he gave them new life. And I'm not trying to whip us into some, you know, fake joy that, that is just nonsense and doesn't last. I'm, I just want to remind us of the, the deep-rooted, deep-settled joy that is available in Jesus that cannot... Uh, be taken away by the world, that kind of a joy. 
A joy that has you counting sleeps till Sunday. You know, you keep asking somebody, how many more sleeps till we get to go to Crosspoint and see Jesus again? So I feel that way about my granddaughter, Tilly, right? I can't wait to see her. And these guys have this, this joy about getting in the house where they can worship Jesus, where they can see Jesus. A joy in the parking lot, a joy in the lobby, a joy in serving Jesus, a joy in worshiping Jesus, a joy in giving to Jesus. They opened their treasure and gave him gifts. When was the last time you were giddy about your gift? When was the last time you thought, I can't wait to get to church and give this gift to Jesus? I, your, your enthusiasm is, is blowing me away right now. It's, it's amazing. <clears throat> There's a good chance that the gifts that they gave Jesus, gold, frankincense, and myrrh, there's a very good good chance that those gifts help to fund or provide Jesus' emergency travel to Egypt. God is going to wake Mary and Joseph up in a dream, and he's going to say, get out now because Herod is going crazy. You've got to flee for your lives to Egypt. And I mean, I don't know, but I'm guessing that Mary was like, oh, well, I'm glad that those astrologers, those those." Strange visitors from the east showed up yesterday and gave us all those gifts because we're going to need those for our journey to get to Egypt. You see, God always provides, doesn't he? At just the right time, like bringing, bringing these guys 3,000 kilometers out of the way so that they could give these gifts hours before Mary and Joseph and Jesus have to flee to Egypt. Pretty good. Pretty good, God. Verse 12. When it was time to leave, they returned to their own country by another route, for God had warned them in a dream not to return to Herod. So before they meet Jesus, they're being led by signs and stars and things like that. But after they meet Jesus, God is speaking directly to them in their dream. There's a difference in their relationship. There's a difference in the way that God is speaking to them after they've met Jesus. I find that interesting. They, they didn't have to look for a star in the sky or something like that. God just speaks directly to them in a dream. God's voice was leading them on a whole new level. God le- leads them safely home. I mean, if God could speak to them in a dream after they met Jesus, why didn't he do that Way back at the beginning of their journey, why didn't he just give them a vision, say, this is the spot, this is the place? He led them in a different way before they met Jesus, and he led them them differently after they meet Jesus. I think there's something in there. Then God leads Mary and Joseph to escape to Egypt. And both of these groups, the, the wise men and Mary and Joseph, both of these groups, their lives are taking unexpected twists and turns. There's still evil around them. Herod's losing his mind. But they're following God and trusting God even when life doesn't make sense. So, so far this Christmas, we've talked about the thrill of hope. We've talked about the thrill of peace. And now we've talked about the thrill of joy. There's just something wrong, gang. If, if Christmas steals your joy, do you see how wrong? There's something messed up about that. Because Jesus is good news. And this text that we just read said that, that they were overjoyed in finding 
Jesus, God help us if we've messed this thing up so bad that we just want December to be over with. That we just want Christmas to be, we just, we're just trying to get through this. This is the birth of God's son. This, we've got to declutter Christmas so, to the point where we can see him again, where we can see the Christ child. God help us if we've made this thing so messy and blurry and busy and expensive and all that other stuff that we've lost the joy of Christmas. Christ, the word Christmas comes from two words, Christ and Mass. Mass as in this, a, a worship service, a worship service to celebrate the Son of God, Jesus. That's, that's what it's all about. God help us to, well, we're going to pray here in a moment about, about not letting the world steal our joy, our joy from the Lord. Declutter Christmas until all you see is Christ. Bow down before him. Worship him. Give him um, gifts. Give him your praise. Give him, give him your life. Let's pray together. Lord, I thank you again this morning for this opportunity right now, being in your presence, hearing from your word, uh, your presence is here. And Lord, we don't want to lose our joy. Uh, we want to be people of, of real, genuine joy. People who know um, Jesus. People who have met Jesus. People who are still excited about walking this journey with Christ. People who have not let the world uh, steal our joy. Uh, people who have something that is so deeply rooted in us that, that the world just can't take it away. Um, and Lord, I just want to pray right now for those who are tired, for those who are stressed, for those who are carrying real heavy stuff. And it's real. We don't deny that. But Lord, help us not to lose our joy and our wonder in who you are. Help us to be uh, excited about seeing you um, and for that to never lose its, its joy in our lives. Uh, Lord, if there are things that we've done that have made Christmas less than what it's supposed to be, we repent of that. Um, we, we, we want our hearts to change and uh, bring us back Bring us back to the joy of Christmas. We pray and ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.